0: Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. All right, welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. We have a great episode this week, and we also have a great intro with some very familiar faces to the Real Triathlon squad. Since obviously, we got a great episode with Tamara coming up, where she provides an epic interview, which you're going to want to stick around for. We also have Lisa Bakaris and Leslie Smith and Tamara on board right now, so we can just catch up and see what's going on with the ladies of RTS. So let's just start with Lisa, since you're at the top of my queue of faces. What's going on?
1: Yeah, not Not too much, just enjoying some not quite as warm weather as we would have liked in Boulder, Colorado. But uh, yeah, just getting a lot of like base volume training in, building back my swim and run. And um, Leslie and I got to ride bicycles together last Friday, which also, Leslie, good idea we didn't ride today outside on our road bikes because it's cold. But did you
0: have any warm days yet in Boulder?
1: But- Saturday, yesterday was actually pretty nice. It was in the, I think it reached in the 50s and really sunny, a little bit windy. We've had some decent days, but kind of hit or miss around here. It's been a long winter. So very much waiting and counting down the the days for sunny, sunny, 75 degree weather where I can just complain about it being too hot opposed to too cold.
0: Yeah, we're never (laughs) happy. Um, Lisa, can you provide any updates on your comeback into training? How has it been going with? increased volume. As I've just heard, you've had a kind of, kind of a big ride.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I am, I've kind of right now I'm just kind of coaching myself. And in the sense that I am building back super, super slow, I have zero pressure, uh, coming back from running from hip surgery and shoulder surgery. So, uh, progress is going pretty, pretty well. Uh, I would say that I, and I was talking to Leslie about this the other day that it's it's very hard for me to write my own workouts and then wake up that day and be like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm like, well, I could do this instead. This sounds more fun. I want to just ride my bike a long time opposed to like doing these VO two max intervals. So I've caught myself a little bit um, doing that, but I would say that I did my first VO two max interval of the year last week. So yay, that's awesome. But I've worked up to about 45 minutes on the run which feels pretty good. And, um, I had a 2,900 yard swim last week, which was also very good. So just l- slow, um, kind of slow progress, but playing the, playing the end game and hoping to be in somewhat decent shape by midsummer is kind of like my, my long goal, but I hope to race a couple of times this spring and just rip the bandaid off, kind of go through that, um, very, s- intense rust busters is what I'm going to call them I'm hoping just, to race at St. Anthony's but just
0: sign up for uh Ironman Coeur lane. just get it out the way I,
1: I, should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I could do the bike but yeah. uh I'd be walking the run and that's it's a marathon is a long way to walk so maybe maybe not this year maybe next year
0: Well, thank you so much for the update, Lisa. We love seeing all of the fun content you've been putting out. Thanks for putting on all of the new RTS clothing that just got delivered to each of you. And also, I'd like to hear about it from each of you. If it's good, do you hate it? I mean, this is not a sponsored episode. We can have the truth. So, how do you like it?
1: Me personally, I actually love, I actually love it. The bibs, so I size down a size in the bibs. Normally I go over with the medium, so I went with the smallest time. It's a little, a little tight right now, but uh, I know they're going to loose uh, loosen up a little bit, but the chamois in them is amazing. Like by far the best chamois I've ridden in a long, long time. So I'm really- In
0: fact, it's the same chamois that they put in the best ASOS um, bibs. So you have pretty much like the top of the line chamois in the market
1: well that's why I really really like it I um and while I'm not a huge fan of leg warmers and arm warmers no matter the brand whatever I would say I am getting some good use out of my my arm warmers and leg warmers this year so um yeah I think I wore the arm warmers three days in a row without washing them this week and they didn't smell so there's that
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks Lisa um that's a good good nugget there speaking of cold and temperatures in stuff that you've have to bundle up for Tamara you're still in on terrible and how is it up there going let's hear from you as you kind of ramp up and get ready to come to camp next week and then also get ready for Oceanside how's everything going
2: yeah good I just finished packing for camp I kind of got all of that jack Bruce stuff and threw it straight in my suitcase so I'll have to give a bigger update on how it is once I'm there and I can try more of it out but it looks great so <laughs>
0: Well, made my packing,
2: should... It made my packing easy. I was like, okay, bike step here, run top here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you will. That's, that's what I told my wife. I was like, I got to pack for camp. I'm pretty much going to have two duffel bags full of clothing. One's going to be 100% training gear and one's very small and it's going to have like a pair of shorts and a t-shirt.
2: Yeah. 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 No. So things have been good. Um, I've been enjoying the winter. Chris has gotten really into cross-country skiing. So I've been trying to do some of that with him and it makes the snow really enjoyable we've had like a very very like strange start to the winter where there was a lot of rain and now more snow um and I feel like this happened a little bit last year where we had a bit of a late winter and then it it hung around in spring which is too bad because I feel like I would rather have like deep winter during winter and then spring could be spring but um yeah it's not bad it's a little it's like on either side of zero Celsius right now. So to me, that's not too, too cold. It's kind of nice for running.
0: So running outside, Uh, um, indoor pools, biking on the trainer.
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of, I think the main thing I'm hoping to get out of uh, this camp coming up for two weeks is, is getting back out on the roads and getting used to that again. Cause all of my training since early January has been completely on the trainer for bike.
0: Well, it's going to be, it might be a little rainy in Henderson. I don't know if next week's going to, it rained here in St. George for like three days straight again. So it's weird wow. weather everywhere.
2: But yeah. you,
1: can you talk, talk to us about your 7k swim?
2: That's not like a normal, like, like, okay, now I've built up to 7k I'm going to keep it there. It's like, okay, we're like building up to 7k with the swim and then we're going to like come back down again. But <laughs> I think the last time I did that was um, like right before pool shut down in the pandemic. And I was really happy with how my swim was going. And my coach and I were just feeling like it would be good to do a little bit more volume for a set block with swim for, to build more muscular endurance. So, so we've been using this time to build that up, but it has been exhausting. I think like the pool can be deceptive because it doesn't make you sore, but just like full body (laughs) exhausting. (laughs) um so I do think I think with like both intensity and then a little bit with the volume in the swim we have been kind of like playing with like what is the edge of of what I can um handle with my training and and it's sort of it's been going really really well but I've definitely hit a few weeks where I'm just uh exhausted and uh and we have to pull back a little bit yeah (laughs) I was impressed
1: that's a long way to swim
2: yeah. Yeah. I was pleased with it. And it was like, it wasn't just like an easy seven K it was like a, like some really solid intervals in there. So I why I was happy with it, but it's, it's nice to like go back to three and four K swims and they feel a lot shorter.
0: <laughs> yeah. You were just inspired by the episode to follow with your interview with Becky, where she's talking about swimming, you know, kind of across a gigantic body of water.
2: Yeah. Well, she's training for like 20 K plus. <laughs> So, that that when I met her last summer it was always like I I was staying extra at the practice to get more mileage in but she had been there for like several hours or more longer than I had so definitely she was doing lots and lots of me.
0: so Leslie like you've been a bit of a ghost in my book lately I don't know where you are what you're doing over there <laughs> where you where are you um, being, girl a ghost I haven't you
3: know Nick I also I don't want to bug you I know you're busy but I like it if you miss me. Um, yes, I miss you. <laughs> you know, for me, it's kind of okay. So here we are, mid-March. I did, I would say a recap for me with training so far this year is I did a 10-day swim camp, um, where I swam twice a day most days in Texas in mid-January to kind of get the season started. Not much biking and running. And then really the end of January and February, uh, just try to get some consistency back and kind of, you know, in a nutshell, had some ups and downs where I was getting some fatigue or maybe doing too much too quick and kind of just tried to work that out, worked some things out with nutrition. Um, I've been trying to do a little more, um, I was telling Lisa this on our ride, getting a little more fuel in during my workouts, even if they're not hard. Um, and that's been kind of keeping my energy levels more steady um, so I've been feeling pretty good lately and I, I had a down a recovery down week that included going to a bachelorette party in California, um, World that part I, of Cali. In, um, Santa Barbara. It was, oh, awesome. yeah. yeah, it was awesome. <clears throat> and I had been planning on that for a long time and it was just a weekend, but a good kind of, um, reset. And this week has probably been my best week, you know, since getting back into training, you know, a few months ago. So, um, yeah. And as Lisa said, it included a ride with her, which was super nice and it was sunny and it wasn't freezing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I do love riding. It reminded me of that. Um, sometimes you need those reminders and yeah, so things are going pretty good. Um, just hoping to put together more good weeks like this one.
0: Okay. Solid. Um, it looks like our dear friend Doobie made it on the call. I don't know if he can hear us or not. Maybe if he can, he can unmute or give us some sign language.
4: Yeah, I can hear you guys.
0: You're all the way in Chile still. It's probably... Yeah, I'm still in Chile. And you had an unfortunate event today. You can run us through that so we know what the update is for your trip to Chile. And talk about the race before, too, if you don't mind.
4: Yeah, I'll talk about it all. Yeah, kind of a bust of a a trip. It was uh, not as expected or as planned. Or, what I thought I could do. Um, so, last weekend was in Villarica, which is just, just across uh, uh, this lake, just 20 minutes away. And just it's not 13th, but 15th. So, I was thinking, and I, you know, fight for the win there if everything went, you know, how I thought it could, but just didn't run well. And then came here, had a great swim, and just, uh uh, mounted my bike with a flat tire. It just had a slow leak. I uh, guess I just didn't notice it before. But yeah,
0: in Pukon, yeah. That. that was in Pukon today.
4: Yeah, I was in. Yeah, so it was a really good swim. Just came out. I think it came out first or second. I don't really know where the official end was. Um, and there was a group that stayed away. Last weekend, a group of five, and then today, a group of like ten. So a little bit too big. But it was also just probably the worst conditions and bike course as far as, like, how dangerous it was today. Um, not that, you know, I'm happy to have a flat, but there was about 20 crashes. Whoa. Yeah, there's this video of this guy. He cracked his Amanda in half. He hit a, a dog, run out, ran out in the, in, the, in the group. Oh, my God. Last weekend, we all just, the chase group, we all narrowly missed a dog that did the same. It's just crazy here.
0: And these are all Continental Cup races, right? What did you say? Like WTS series, ITU, Continental Cup series, right?
4: Yeah, this is just Conti Cup, so it's the Conti Cup life. Um, But Vina del Mar last year was a World Cup, and I mean, it just depends on who's like putting on the event these Conti cups have no like standard of, of anything. Like there's gravel on the U-turns. They, I'm not sure if you guys saw my story yesterday, there's like a legit like jump on the course and (laughs) they closed down the whole town for it. And they choose the, the worst roads possible.
0: Yeah. That's frustrating.
4: There's cars on the course. So there was this one really sketchy turn that you you take the turn and you literally have two feet between oncoming bikes and the parked cars on the side of the road. Oh, my god!
1: <laughs> I, think, I think we should put a whole bunch of triathletes, non-draft triathletes with their TT bikes on the course.
4: That's my podcast idea is Conti Cup stories. Unlimited stories of... <laughs> either like this stuff with the uh, crazy courses, the, the dogs or people getting, I've like heard people getting pulled over and like, give us money, like police officers in Dominican Republic pulling people over and telling them to like give them money or else like they're not, I don't even know. You can't finish this
0: race unless you give me 50 bucks right now.
4: (laughs) Right. Yeah,
0: man. Well, Mark, we can tell you're also in a bit of a, great Wi-Fi area. Sorry, if you were cutting out a little bit. We we got most all of it, though, I think. Um, that's probably also part of the Conti Cup series is you've got dial-up. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mark, it's slow.
1: When are you coming back to Boulder? Yeah, Mark. And are you coming back to Boulder? Yeah,
3: we're a little concerned. It's been a while.
4: Yeah, so um, I met this girl,
1: Knew it. You know, we, Leslie and I were talking about this. In I Boulder?
4: No, I I do actually miss you guys, like, quite a bit. Lisa, I, I didn't see you much, but, Leslie, I actually really, really miss swimming with you.
3: Oh, well, I miss swimming with you, too, and I'm going to be really sad if you don't come back. So, we need to talk about this. It gets I know, hot I in so. Arizona in the summer.
4: I know, it's going to be hot, and I, um... No, uh, it's long story. We don't have to cover on this.
0: Is she pregnant?
4: <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you. Thank you for not doing that. So to she, all of she's us.
4: gonna be a doctor, so,
0: so I can got... catch
4: up with you guys individually. I don't feel like doing this over Zoom. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you're coming to camp still, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah yeah. All right. We'll do it there. We'll get real in there. It's yeah, it's gonna be fun. Okay. So,
4: but yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: Sorry. Before we head into the, uh, the bulk of this episode and this goes on for another hour. Um, let's talk about another bit of recent event that is bittersweet. I think for a few of us, since I think I've done clash Miami over the past, maybe three years. I love the bike course. Uh, Lisa, you had a great race there last year and we're got a lot of live footage. On NBC, um, we, we've all kind of been on camera there, and there's always been a live broadcast. This year, however, there was no live broadcast. I think the investment had not been. I mean, it's really expensive. <laughs> First off, Bill Christie's been ponying up, so we really appreciate it, and we understand there's no love lost there. But it looked like a great race. We had some headline names there, obviously. Uh, from the men's field, was great. Women's field, that looks like the podium that ended up to be Lucy. Byrum, I think that's might be how you say that um Sif Bendix Madsen which is I believe whose girlfriend um Magnus Ditlev's girlfriend and yes
3: I think so Pamela
0: Oliveira who is always a headliner there she won like well last year or the year before she had a terrible crash which is like the shot heard around the world The crash like heard around the world unfortunately that's always been shown every time they oh, no, that,
1: that's Sarah Perzala. She's the oh one it was Sarah okay so Pamela yeah. Olivera
0: never had the crash it was so oh. Paris Sarah Persala went fourth then Haley yeah. Chura Olivia Mitchell Grace Alexander and then eighth place Holly Smith I think they they must have paid a deep
3: yeah I think, yeah
0: any any thoughts on that do you and the ladies train or know any of these these uh contenders
2: I, I noticed Pammy's result just because we've I have finished within 10 seconds of her twice in a 70.3. So I just always notice how she's doing
0: now. Who was that again? Um, Tamara? Uh,
2: pa- Pammy, who was third. Uh, oh, nice. Pamela Older. Yeah. Yeah. Just like one of the first 70.3s we did. I was third and I was like 10 or 12 seconds behind her. And then it happened again at Worlds in... 2021 and it, when it happened the second time we both just like burst out laughing at the finish line. It's a long way to go to finish that close together twice. Nice. That
1: is. And I I just know um I know the top siphon um Lucy I think they're pretty young, like early 20s, I want to say. Don't quote me on that, but I think they're both like very young pups in the sport. Um which is awesome and exciting. And young and makes me feel old. But, oh. uh, it makes you feel old. Okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I feel that
0: in the men's field. I know Jason West won. I don't, I can't find the podium very easily as well. It is as the women's, but this is a women's specific podcast. So we don't need to go too much into the men because they just go off and play in the backyard and have I, fun. So I just
1: know Jason West ran his butt off. Yeah, yeah, he
0: ran like super fast. Sub
1: five miles or something, which is wild, especially then, because that race is known to be smoking hot every yeah. year. So that's. And then
0: uh, Tom Bishop must have been second, I think.
1: Yes. And I think and Daniel BeccaGuard was third.
0: Yeah. Lionel crashed out. I think he hit a pedal during one of the corners. <laughs> Unfortunate for that. Sam, I think Sam Long went fifth, I believe.
1: I think he was fourth. And, oh. um, who was fifth? I don't remember who was fifth.
0: I'm just trying to pull up results. And guess what? Like everything in triathlon, you can't find anything that's that you want. You find like all this random other stuff. And you can't find number one, the date that things are happening, or an airport nearby, or what time <laughs> like those are the things I look for when I try to find a triathlon and no event ever has that squared away.
1: We got that we got that wrong. I got the I got the tracker up. It was Jason West, um, and then Thomas Bishop then back a guard, then Sam long, then, uh, David McNamee.
0: Nice. That's a great race, great podiums. And I mean, I'm sure all those guys had a great race. Hopefully they do a recap. Um, so that's pretty much the most recent events clash. Miami happened. The season is kind of officially, I would say kicked off the next big milestone race for North America, at least is Oceanside 70.3. Where Tamara's going to be there. Jackson will be there. And Nicole, I think is racing there as well. And I don't know who, I think that's it for our, our squad. Who's going to be competing there. Are you not
2: racing Nick? I thought you were racing.
0: Nope. I'm not. I'm going to be doing Peru, which is, I believe a week or so later.
3: I see. Do you have all that booked Nick that trip?
0: Yeah. And I was stressing about it. My passport just came in. It got renewed. It was like going to expire this June or July. So I got that done. Woo. Cost me like 500 bucks. Freak off. (laughs) <laughs> Nick, so annoying
3: that renewing my passport has been on my to-do list for like two months so I'm really you're you're motivating me that I should probably get on that
0: yeah I went to like renew my passport or something and like I'm like oh, here's we'll charge you 250 bucks and then so I paid that and then they were like okay here's your packet you got to send it in to us include another check for 200 made out to the U.S. government please so I was like god damn oh
3: that's yeah that's crazy
0: but if you want to done quickly you got to pay a little bit more but i just didn't want to chance it since i got a race in april um but yeah check your passports good reminders for everybody yeah and your driver's <laughs> licenses mine will expire this year as well or no maybe yeah i think it will yeah what happens awesome. when you get old
1: <laughs> clock never stops ticking <laughs> that's right
0: All right. Well, let's head into the episode. Tamara, anything uh, our viewers or not viewers is I got a good voice for radio for this one. So (laughs) what else should they expect from our our uh, episode? Inspiration? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think, well, a little bit of inspiration and a bit of hopefully feeling infuriated by like um, I think Becky's story is really cool and what she's done with it. But her her motivation was partly. Um, some really pretty infuriating gender discrimination in the sports programs in her daughter's school and and I think maybe during the interview we sound sort of like a little bit cheerful and polite when we're talking about it but like it really makes me so angry Um, but I think Becky's really become um, you know from like just very like early recreational involvement in triathlon she's really become uh, a staple of uh, the C three Club community that I'm part of, especially with my swim through, um, sort of taking that situation and using it to raise awareness about uh, supporting uh, sport for girls in Ontario, and uh, and getting really into lake uh, lake crossings, which uh, is also interesting to hear from her about because I I know. Um, I just didn't know before as much about like the logistics of of organizing some of those things like crossing lake Ontario or um, I'm lake Erie. so she gets into that a bit as well in the interview
0: yeah it's a great uh, feat of accomplishment and again you were very calm and polite and you could not tell how pissed off you were so you held it together <laughs> well done any final thoughts Lisa leslie moving um forward
3: no i'm I'm looking forward to listening to the interview as well because yeah I think that's you know all the topics I want to hear about and that's super cool that she accomplished what she did and I can't even imagine how tough that would be so I'm very
4: impressed
1: oh and okay. I swimming that far is a long time what does she think about
0: Yes. You gotta listen to find <laughs> Actually, out. I
2: should have, I did not ask her exactly what she thinks of it. I asked sort of what the experience was like, which was sort of basically excruciating. And within a, you know, a kilometer of the store, she almost stopped and that kind okay. of thing. But, but next next time, I'll quiz her down about what, what were you keeping <laughs> your mind occupied <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's, that's
0: crazy. Okay, so let's hop in and thanks for getting to this part of the episode. What I'd like to do now is say the next patron who signs up under our Patreon. I will give you a free pair of magic five goggles, putting that out there. It could be you listener, whoever you are, go on. It'll be in the show notes. You can sign up, use the link, join our Patreon and I'll send you a free pair of magic five goggles via your email address. So thank you for listening and enjoy this awesome episode as Tamara grinds the gears on what is not right in the world, but also what could be better. Right.
2: Hello, everyone. Tamara here, and I am uh, going to chat with Becky Yuan, who is a member of C3 Triathlon Club, which I coordinate with a little bit, um, and has a story that I found really inspiring and continue to find really inspiring. So I'm excited to chat with Becky today. Um, Becky is a piano teacher and an NCC P certified triathlon coach, which is a I think a Canadian national uh, coaching certification, and got into triathlon in 2017. In 2021, she was one of only 19 women to complete the Canada man slash woman X tri event, uh, which is purported to be Canada's toughest triathlon. <laughs> I met Becky last summer. Uh, while she was training for a Lake Erie swim crossing, uh, and, uh, I felt like I, I was at the C3 quarry and staying, I felt long to do some extra swimming. Uh, and Becky was hopping into some of my extended swim practices, but I think she had been there for like hours and hours before I had even arrived at the quarry already swimming in preparation for this lake crossing. Um, she was the first Chinese Canadian to successfully swim across Lake Erie. And my understanding is that it was a 20 kilometer crossing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought the, the reason, and we'll, we'll get into all of this (laughs) with Becky, but the um, I found her motivation really interesting and, and the story behind it actually pretty shocking. So um, Becky's twin daughters uh coming back to their uh school in person in Mississauga which for anyone who doesn't know is uh, a separate city but very close to Toronto and sort of part of the greater Toronto area um so coming back to in-person schooling after the pandemic um uh, right. Becky had been encouraging them to do phys ed and sports programs in high school, and their school cut high school girls' gym. And my understanding is most sports program uh, sports teams as well, um, telling them that there wasn't enough interest to run those programs, but continued to run high school boys, gym and sports teams. So this motivated Becky to set an example for her daughters and for women more broadly in sport about what women can accomplish when they set their minds to it. And, uh, and her swim was raising money for jumpstart charities initiatives to keep girls in sport. Um, and it, this uh, uh, similar initiative is happening this year, it's even slightly more ambitious, Becky is part of a team organizing a relay swim across Lake Ontario, which is about, uh, I think, 45 kilometres, so over twice the distance, uh, and they're raising money to sponsor uh, used to learn to swim and experience outdoor activities at C3's facilities. So, um, So now we can, we can hear this all properly from (laughs) Becky now. (laughs) Um, I guess before we get into your, your Lake Erie story, Becky, I was interested to hear about how you got into triathlon, um, And I guess since the focus is on the importance of role models for women in sport, I was interested whether you had particular female role models in triathlon or other sports or anyone who particularly inspired you or helped you to get into the sport.
5: Um, I originally was a runner first. My first half marathon was in 2003. And during that time, there was another runner I was watching very closely, uh, Krista Shane. She mm-hmm. is a masters runner now, and she was she came out around the same time that I was running longer distances, and I watched her very closely how she was able to incorporate being a, a professional runner with being a full time mom and having a job and. Being, in, being an Ontario runner, and she ran a lot of races, uh, road races in the same area that we were able to go to and run and actually see her compete. And so she was my inspiration at the time. Uh, how I got into triathlon, um, 2017, uh, my partner that I had at the time had registered for his first triathlon, which was Muskoka 70.3. Iron Man. and he said Becky why don't you do this with me I said well I'm just a runner I don't cycle and I don't swim he goes well just think of it as a fun day you know it was it was his birthday at the time and I said okay and so a friend of ours that that was part of the same club he his wife had a bike that she wasn't using anymore and it was a big iron commuter bike That was very heavy with fat tires and, you know, a big plush seat and it was upright and it had maybe one, one gear. If there were more, if there were more, it didn't matter because I didn't know how to change any gears,
2: (laughs) right? Oh my goodness, that bike, I think would be challenging on any course. But for anyone who knows the Muskoka <laughs> course, that's quite a way to start out in triathlon on a, a single gear bike on that hilly hilly course.
5: Well, you know, I didn't know anything about the course whatsoever. You know, uh, we went out for a couple rides on on a Sunday, you know, see if I could actually ride the bike and I stayed up and I thought this is fun. You know, I didn't know anything about parameters or power pedals or gps at the time i ran by heart rate and there were you know it didn't matter if i was on a bike and i thought maybe i think my longest ride was many was maybe 20 kilometers and that was over two hours and i thought okay this is fine i can do this you know (laughs) until we got up there well so i signed up for the duathlon and he did the triathlon and so the duathlon was a 5k run uh, the 90k bike and the 21k run. And I thought, well, I can run. The running's the easy part. And what from what I've done, just riding around on, you know, the parks in Mississauga, I thought, okay, it can't be that bad until I got there. And I realized there are hills and hills and hills. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I think by the second hill, I had to get off the bike and actually walked it up the hill. I get on at the top and just coast down the hill and, and try to spin my legs to get up the next, got off the bike, walked up the next hill, and I eventually finished it. There was no quitting because I didn't think that there was any way to get back to the start unless I actually rode the bike all the way back. <laughs>
2: So you you threw yourself into it and then you were, you were stuck there. You just had to keep going.
5: It was far.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That sounds, I know even starting out, um, a, a lot of that is relatable also coming into triathlon from a run background and starting out even on, um, like a pretty decent, road bike not a commuter bike I definitely at first felt with hills like I just wanted to like hop off the bike and run up the hill with it because it just it, at first when you're not used to cycling to me it felt like the slower way to get up the hill or like why do I have to drag this thing up there with me
5: <laughs> that is true and then uh, uh nine hours later when I finished I was so proud of myself that I actually bought the IRMS 70.3 card magnet and I stuck that on my car <laughs>
2: nice and and so that that was a uh satisfying finish and the whole commuter bike 70.3 experience didn't deter you from the sport you you kept going with it and you're actually coaching now
5: yes (laughs) well I thought the things so so Um, I had to redo it the year after and actually learn to swim because people explained to me that the 70.3 car magnet isn't earned until, (laughs) unless did a triathlon where you swam, biked, and ran. And so I didn't know how to swim. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos on how to swim and I got to the pool and I realized that YouTube videos didn't cut it. (laughs) So I, had to hire a coach to teach me to swim and from November to July all I learned was the front crawl just for this sport just for this race just so I could earn a card magnet nice
2: and and were you um because I I guess you're coach with swimming preparing for Lake Erie is also my swim coach Miguel how far along were you in that process when you connected with Miguel was that right away when you were looking for a swim coach or did it take a while um to sort of find him in the right swim program
5: um it took me a while it wasn't until after COVID that I connected with C3 it was during COVID actually because they're the only space that actually had access to a hydro pool to Mm. To practice swimming, because I had signed up for my first full distance, um and it happened and it happened to be Canada man and uh, and that was where I tried to get lessons with Miguel, but he was fully booked. And so I ended up with Hans Porton, who was also coaching there at the time. And then from him, I learned I, you know I learned all the skills I needed to actually swim in a straight line. Uh, Miguel came along um. 2021 the end of it when when I joined up with C3 doing their group master's program for at the pool and around that time is when I decided to do Lake Erie and I knew that he had swam Lake Ontario so I bugged him for two months until he would actually sit down with me and talk to me about how to swim across the lake.
2: Right, because um, uh, for those who don't know, so Miguel, our swim coach, did a Lake Ontario crossing, so knows all about the training and, and logistics for uh, Great Lakes Crossing. Um, and, and I guess before we get into sort of that training uh, and logistics aspect, so do, do your daughters do triathlon with you? and And maybe can you tell us, about their experience with their school after the or I guess as we came out of the pandemic and and how that um, sort of motivated the Lake Erie crossing or at least became a big part of that story
5: so my kids have always been involved in sports they are cheerleaders and they were in cheerleading for 10 years from the age of seven and it was Half of the week, four days out of the week, they were at the cheer gym with their teammates training. And we would only have maybe one week break every year when the season would switch and new team selections would be. And being that part of a team and having that family and having that as their second home, being taken away during the pandemic, right? It was a big change for them and they became really depressed and frustrated with themselves and not being able to see their friends and staying home and not having the outlet to work out their stress and their frustrations and the excess energy and having the team building that they had before. Uh, So when the schools were starting to open up again, uh, I said to the girls, you guys have to take phys ed because you guys need the physical activity. You guys need to learn something. You guys have to do something that's for themselves, for their health, for their bodies, for their mental health. And when it was time to select their courses for the following year in high school, we noticed that they didn't have any phys ed choices for girls. There were only phys ed choices for the boys for grade nine, 10, 11, 12. And there was only grade nine phys ed because that was what was mandatory that all girls had to take, but nothing was offered afterwards. So I said to them, well, that's something is not right. Why don't you go to the school, talk to the guidance counselor, see what's going on. They came back and said that uh, there wasn't enough interest for girls to have phys ed classes. So I said, well, why don't you just register for the boys and see what happens? Because they can't deny you guys from taking phys ed classes. Of course, they were denied and they were given a different class anyways. And. To me, what, uh, what the school was saying to them was that gender-defined access. And that didn't sit right with me. And it, was, it didn't sit right with the girls either. Uh, so I said, okay, well, when tryouts start up again for high school sports teams, you guys have to try out for every single sport. Before COVID, they were on the volleyball team at the school and said, okay, you girls can volleyball again they didn't have a volleyball team that year and mm-hmm. have any sports teams for girls that year. They just didn't, they said they didn't have the instruction. They didn't have the coaches and there wasn't interest in it.
2: And and while they didn't have girls sports teams, were they running boys sports teams? Well? They, were, they
5: were running boys sports teams.
2: Yeah. Yes. It's just, I find that so shocking for like a like a, this is a school in like the heart of sort of the wealthiest city of in Toronto, almost like I know Miss like Mississauga is basically part of the bigger Toronto area. It's like a very populated, like center center of the country. I mean, sorry, according to us who live here, I suppose, but like a huge population center. I was so shocked and Canada to me is a country that normally has a huge amount of support for women's sports relative to most places in the world. So I just, I found this really surprising. And I think an aspect of it that surprised me as well a little bit was I actually hadn't even been aware that um, like girls and boys phys ed programs were separate in some schools. I, I went to an old girls school, so I, it never came up and I had never really been aware that there would be separate um, gym programs uh at all but there was always at my school a huge amount of interest like we were an old girls school but like and we were actually like an academically known as an academically focused school but gym was a very very popular class and our sports teams were like very very popular to participate in um but but the fact that their school saying that there are fewer girls interested in doing gym wouldn't sort of consolidate resources then to decide they had to run a co-ed program, at least for the women who were interested in doing phys ed seems really shocking.
5: It is, it is. And uh, well, in public schools here, phys ed is segregated from grade nine onwards. And I don't recall ever seeing it ever co-ed year
2: yeah yeah and i and i guess you were also when we were talking about this interview you were telling me that their school has really um excellent sports facilities so there's no sort of facility uh access issue it was it was sort of the school's explanation was completely based on staffing and staffing priorities that's right
5: so yes the school has and has the domed Indoor track, they have a soccer field that's indoors, they have a climbing wall, they have dance studio, they have a yoga studio, and they don't have teachers who are interested or able to order funding to be able to provide these classes for girls.
2: Yeah. And and did your daughters run into classmates or like did you run into other parents who were upset about the situation as well? Or or did they feel like they were sort of uh, a little bit alone in in their frustration and and sort of their their anger with it (laughs) the
5: general feeling is that it's the way it is that it's accepted that it's the way it is that you know boys are into gym and girls are not you know they do have uh, other classes like hairdressing and sewing that is And then it is available. (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, hairdressing and sewing are great, but it shouldn't be instead of sports and gym class. It should just be another option. I um yeah that's so discouraging and it's so particularly discouraging at a high school level I think where there's so many studies that show that um like a lot of girls are in sport when they're younger and then it's really hard to keep them in sport I feel like that's such a prime age for actually needing like extra support from the system that they're in to be encouraged to to say, stay in sport and um it's uh I, I'm sure just creates a perfect I don't know. It just exacerbates the problem going forward, not to have that encouragement and those opportunities. Um. So, have has that situation changed at all, or or is it sort of uh continuing on as as is right now?
5: I don't. Well, my kids have graduated now. They're now nineteen. But last the last year that they were there, it wasn't offered. So I don't know if it has changed now or not in the last year.
2: Yeah so um you took that and you decided to make this lake erie swim uh, a fundraising initiative for um jumpstart charities uh which i think generally like has a bunch of different programs around kids sport but but uh, some of them are focused on keeping girls in sport maybe you can tell us a bit more about that and i guess whenever you you also described your swim you really wanted to be a role model for uh for your daughters and, and girls gender.
5: well the idea that we're what we're seeing is the message that the girls are getting is that they're not valued that they don't deserve these things and then at the same time i would i met a young lady at the c3 core who was training for the lake erie swim the year prior and talking to her and hearing her story it made me think that maybe i could do it and she actually convinced me that you know it is possible even though i didn't come from a very strong swim background that i could actually do this and she empowered me this one person inspired me to do it and made me feel like this is something that i could actually do and then i thought that with my daughters, right? They need stronger role models. They need to know that anything that they want to do or they dream of doing, it is possible to do with proper planning. And so that started my movement towards actually completing a swim across Lake Erie. And from there, it just snowballed into actually doing this. At the same time, Jumpstart Charities was coming out with a program in 2022 keeping girls in sports because they had a study that showed that less than half the girls stay in sports in high school. And at the end of COVID, uh, 14% of those girls were not coming back into sports. And so they started a program uh, keeping girls in sports that involves uh, programs with, with coaching How to talk to the girls, how to change your coaching to actually incorporate issues that girls face in terms of body image, body awareness, um, peer pressure, things that
2: they have to go through to stay in sports. Yeah, very cool. And what what did your daughters think about that, and and all of the preparation that went into the the Lake Erie swim? Were, were they did they help with some of that, or did they come out when you when you did the swim? And and what was their? Do you have a sense of what they feeling about the whole thing? Was my girls are were teenagers,
5: and so <laughs> with me, they tried to show that they were nonchalant to what I was doing. <laughs> but I know for a fact that they had told all their teachers at school and they had told all their friends and they followed me online and my daughters my one of my daughters came out to meet me at the finish line and pretended she didn't care
2: (laughs) uh yeah that that definitely sounds like like teenagers I think there are a lot of things I know my mom did when I was younger that I quietly admired that she maybe didn't hear about it at the time um Mm. nice and and i guess the um i mean i kept seeing you out at the quarry for hours and hours and hours of swimming so there's a lot of physical preparation that went into that but my understanding is that there's also Um, a lot of logistics preparation for a lake swim and needing to have the proper sort of support boats set up and and sort of registering to that can you I've never really I know that it exists but I don't know much about that that aspect can you describe a bit when it went into that
5: uh there was a lot of research done I read blogs and looked into established organizations that have that do open water swims, uh, mainly the English Channel. They have an association over there that that show that has a rule book on how the swims have to be done. Um, there has to be a boat of a certain length. You have to have crew that would look after you, um, and there are rules on how the swim has to be done. Uh, no flotation devices, um, you can have only Athena-approved swim gear, which is just your basic swim Um, only a single cap that's not neoprene, um, no GPS devices on you whatsoever, you can't have your watch to pace you. Uh, there are rules such as you can't touch anything solid at all during the whole time, you can't hold on to the boat. Um, and so with this one, I had to I had to get a boat that was up, that could handle the waves of Lake Erie. Um, I, we talked to, I she sent a lot of emails and I sent a lot of requests and messages to fishing vessels in the area. And a lot of them were said no because I needed a weather window. or So I needed some flexibility to be able to find a weather window to actually do the crossing. And so we found this company called Orange Force Marine, and their specialty is in water logistics and in terms of projects. Um, They were also in search and rescue for the area. And the owner was Derek Niles. He's a retired lieutenant colonel of the Navy who was in charge, a commander of the joint rescue task force of all the great lakes and so they stepped up and said that they would be interested in helping me swim across lake erie and so we they supplied a boat that was i think 27 feet long and we were they were in charge of finding a weather window where the waves were under four feet um winds were under 10 knots of uh, water conditions uh, had to be, you know, re- reasonably warm. So over 15 degrees, mm-hmm. um, we had to look at the pollution. So Lake Erie is known for LD bloom. So we had to pick a day where the pollution hadn't reached the east end of the lake at all. And so we, the dates we were given was the last two weeks of July as a weather window. And okay. on top of
2: uh, okay, continue. Sorry. yeah.
5: <laughs> uh, so, during this time when I was doing the research, I talked to this man in Oakville named Madhu. He is a man who had swam across Lake Ontario and swam across English Channel. And he told me that one of the things I have to do is have a very small crew. And so he said that I had Miguel and I had to build a team around them that would listen to him. And I had to also bring in one person who I trusted with everything, trusted with my life, who I could hand over all control to two weeks prior to the swim and on the day of the swim. So I could focus on the swim and this person would be the only person who could decide to take me
2: out of the water. So Good. I had. So my, who did you choose?
5: So I had my friend Ruthie come on board, and it was hard. I I am a person that is very detailed oriented, and I have to have control over things. And it was a long, slow process of giving up control of everything of the swim. <laughs> so I gave up communications with the with my boat. Uh, communications with everybody that was on my crew, Um, any issues, any problems, any complaints, anything that needed to be solved, she took and she ran with it. And I didn't hear anything negative at all for two weeks up into the swim because my goal was to just finish the swim, just focus on it. And she took over everything for me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's awesome to have a a supporter like that but I can definitely imagine tough to uh tough to try to like tune out worrying about the logistics as as well (laughs) and and I understand so you you were able you you did end up with a a time window where luckily you didn't have to be pulled out of the water but I understand it was actually pretty rough for your swim is that right? So
5: that's that summer last summer it was the weather was bad. There was storm upon storm upon storm almost every day until one day, I think 24 hours prior I was actually in school, I got a text from Derek saying, tomorrow's a go. And so we had one day to pull everybody together and get to Crystal Beach for to swim. He said, we have a 10-hour window. There was a storm that night, and it was supposed to end at 6 in the morning, and we were going to give it four hours for the waves to calm down and then we had until 8 p.m that night to get a swim in before the next storm came in wow so everybody was at crystal beach by 10 a.m and we hopped on their boat and we went across to sturgeon point u.s and i jumped out of the water and my first thought was oh this water is cold it wasn't <laughs> 22, 23 at the time, and within 15 minutes, my thought was, "This water is not calm." I knew going over, we were going really fast to get there. This is a jet-powered boat um, that the waves were a little bit high, but we we thought we could manage it. And within 15 minutes, it was just wavy and choppy, and I thought, "Okay, this has to calm down soon. It can't be the whole way." It was. Almost, I say three quarters of it was waves and chop. And it was 1.5 meter waves every 0. 0.8 seconds. It was relentless. <laughs> and I would look over to try to find my boat because they I was watching them. They were my guide to get to the other side. And there were a lot of points where when I turned to look for them, all I saw was a wall of water. Yeah. Yeah. You remember when we were little, I don't know, but when I was little, there were these things called water beds and how, when we were kids, we would try to get the bed to wave to, you know, to feel the waves. This was yeah. worse. Oh. This was way worse. You know, you could, you're picture yourself just lying there on the surface of the water and you're, you know, you're horizontal, you're on the surface, you're trying to swim and you feel your whole body just rising up and down, up and down with the waves and, I remember thinking, either I'm gonna throw up first, or those guys on the boat are gonna throw up. <laughs> and from what I heard, even even Derek and his partner Chris, right? These are these guys are Navy men. They're on the water all the time. They were green. They were feeling sick. Miguel, okay, you know Miguel likes to talk a lot. Yeah, he said, okay. I'm being quiet right now it's not because I'm mad at you it's because I'm trying really hard not to throw up
2: yikes and I'm sure that felt like also just sort of like times where like you can't you can't really see where you're going and you might like did it just feel like oh god am I am I progressing or am I swimming in one spot in this crazy turbulence sir oh or waves
5: rather Okay, so instead of 20, I actually swam about 22 kilometers because there's a few times I actually circled. Oh, you
2: no. Know. <laughs>
5: yeah. I made a lot of left-handed loops. And there's like quite a few times they had to take out the air horn to get my attention because they said I was, I was swimming towards Cleveland.
2: <laughs> Yikes. But despite those tough conditions, you made it across. And uh, how, how did that feel? Did you um I assume that when you got out of the water you weren't immediately like great Lake Ontario next year <laughs> or, or were you
5: <laughs> oh there was a point where I was even less than a kilometer from the shore and I thought that I wasn't gonna make it because they were yelling at me you gotta pick it up you gotta pick it up because the storm is coming They could you know tornadoes have touched down in the area they can see the lightning and they're debating yes. whether or not we'll out of the water next right And I was thinking, okay, I'll be perfectly fine if they pull me out of the water right now, you know? And they said, no, you only have 600 meters left. I said, what? I "I can count to 600. I can do this. And then when I finally pulled out of the water, you know, there was a storm chaser there making a broadcast for the weather network talking about the storm that's coming in. And he was on the air saying, and here's the young lady who swam across Lake Erie (laughs) and Eat it just before the storm
2: oh my goodness like just 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 in time
5: Just <laughs> in time you know there's a few of us on the way home that night you know we had to stop at the side of the road because it, the rain was just so bad that we couldn't drive yeah yeah
2: wow um and um yeah, just so impressive and such a such a dramatic story. Like the the motivation adding to it and the conditions being kind of wild. And um, so you are doing this this coming August. Uh, you're doing Lake Ontario, but you're doing it as a relay. Can you just briefly tell us a little bit uh, about the thinking behind that and sort of how that preparation is going and and how it's a little bit similar or different from the Lake Erie experience.
5: Well, you know, when you do one, it's never enough. You always have to do another. But the, from hearing stories, I've watched quite a few people who tried to do Lake Ontario last year. They weren't successful because of weather conditions mm-hmm. and the fact that it's doubled the distance. And when I looked at who have done it, there was only one relay team that's on record that has completed a Lake Ontario crossing. And it was an all-male team. So I thought it would be fun if we do a mixed-gender team hmm. to, to go across. And so I put together a group of four, five of us. There's five individuals, who, and each one of us are going to swim for an hour at a time. And we're going to rotate from Port Dalhousie to Oakville.
2: Nice. And how, how long is each rotation? Like, do you each have one swim rotation or are you kind of in and out of the water as you go along? So
5: each swimmer has to swim for one hour at a time. And at the end of the hour, the next swimmer is going to jump in, tag off, and then continue to swim for another hour. And then the next swimmer will jump in. And so it's going to take about 18 hours to do. And so the we've already hired the boats. Orange Force Marine, Erg. Or- is going to be with us again uh this time we're going to require two boats because there's more people and we and we need more supplies and so there's going to be one boat that will be the operational boat and the other boat that will be our hotel
2: nice amazing um yeah becky i really think listening to all of this your your determination And, and sort of persistence and perseverance shines through so much from, you know, starting triathlon by doing Muskoka on a commuter bike to, to launching into, you know, these lake swims, not like having started out as a runner and then doing duathlon and now really focused on open water swimming. It's like quite, quite a journey and, uh, definitely is very inspiring. I love the way that you... Um, uh, you know, like you, you were encouraged by some of the women around you, especially with the lake swimming, it, it sounds like, and now you are providing that example for other people. I definitely think, um, you know, that does make a difference. And I know you've become a really big part of the C3 community in terms of, um, just, just making it seem, uh, to everyone like more more doable to try things like this I think people are a lot more um aware of sort of some of what has gone into it and and that you know even coming at it not from a swim background this is something that you can aspire to and and get into it's not just Miguel with his extensive swim background doing these Lake Ontario crossings (laughs) um so that's really really cool um I wonder if there's anything else that you want to talk about. Um, we definitely bring it up now. And and I also actually, I was interested, a woman who really inspires me in sport is my coach, Suzanne. And um, part of that is that she always balanced uh, pro triathlon with um, arts, uh, particularly uh, English literature and poetry. And uh, as someone who's always balancing triathlon with other things, I found that really sort of hopeful and inspiring for my situation to try to sort of succeed at some kind of balance. So you, um, alongside all of your involvement in multi-sport, you're a piano teacher. And I wondered if you think that those things um, contribute at all or like go together in, in any way that's meaningful to you.
5: Well, in terms of piano, when you're learning a new song or you're when you're trying to when you learn a new repertoire, it's a lot of perfection. And it's not something that you pick up and you just learn it in a week and the song is done. Um at the higher levels, it involves months. So I could start a song in September and it could be 18 months later where I would be finished with a song to the point where I think that is good enough where I can't take it any further. And a lot of it is a lot of little details, a lot of nuances and stuff. So when I'm planning for things like this, it's, it's the same process. You start with the general idea of what I want it to be. And then I work inwards with the little details of what is required, bringing in the team of the people I need, bringing in the coaching of the people I think that could help me get to my goal. And a lot of the little things that go along with it,
2: yeah, nice. So all of that similar sort of um perseverance with long-term goals and and sort of sticking to the little things day by day that that need to happen to reach those and and finding the right people to help and uh, and making sure the logistics are all in place is very sounds like very similar between those, those two things. I actually did think of one more thing I want to ask about. Um, I wondered if you had any thoughts on, on sort of multi-sport versus single sport and uh, whether there's anything about multi-sport that is particularly empowering for, for girls and women or, or, um, or whether sort of single sports are, are equally, I know I, I found um I started out as an athlete really just focused on running without a huge amount of exposure to other sports and I found multi-sport very um empowering personally it just gradually making me feel sort of more competent and more different skills in the sports world and um and also just creating a bit more natural balance in my sports life but um different people have really different experiences with that I was wondering if you had any thoughts i
5: I found that when I was just a roadrunner that my idea of athleticism was very narrow and mm-hmm. that for me to be good at any sport, I had to only focus on running. I, it never really occurred to me that if I was to branch off into other sports that it could help with my first sport. And we, I was brought to believe that at the time when I was a runner that if I wasted my time on another sport, it would impact how my running would be. You know, if I took time away from running and did swimming instead, right? My running would when would, would suffer because I would be using muscles that wasn't running related. Uh, going into multisport, I realized that's not the case. What happened was I found that from when I transitioned to triathlon, I could do trail running, which was never a thought. And from there, I realized that not only trail running, but you can actually build a lot of strength from running that can come over to your cycling and your road running. And from there, I realized that, you know, you're allowed to walk in trails and 42.2 kilometers is not the farthest you can run. You can actually do 50K, you can do 100K. And so I find with multi-sport, it empowered me to actually think that everything is possible. You know, you're not limited to just one sport.
2: Yeah, I, I love that answer resonates so much, Becky. I really like the, um, yeah, the concept of of sort of having a narrow view of athleticism in the way that multi-sport uh, expands that and expands the possibilities of what you can do. Um, Definitely, yeah, resonates a lot um thank you so much for talking to us today I really appreciate it I think your story is so cool and I'm really excited to see what happens with the Lake Ontario crossing um this summer I know Miguel talks about all of it a lot at the swim practices that I'm at and and uh is really um impressed and and excited by what you're doing so it's really really cool um where can people go to, to find out more or to hear from you and to um, sort of donate to the fundraiser part of your Ontario relay?
5: So right now we have a donation link. It is C three online.ca slash swim hyphen for hyphen equity hyphen donate.
2: Okay. Awesome. Um, we will put that in the show notes so that people can find it really easily. And, um, Thank you so much. Really a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank
0: you. I got ish to do, flying through the sky in my parachute, dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruz on a one man mission trying to see it through.